Everybody have a good uh, week last week? You know, I watched the news before I went to bed last night, and they said it was just a little bit of a dusting. I think we got a little bit more than a dusting this morning. <laughs> and it's probably my fault, if I'm being completely honest with you, because I went to bed last night, and I was telling Christy, when I seen that, I was like, man, I really hope I could get, you know, past this winter without having to get another snowblower, you know, because I sold my snowblower before I left, and now I need another snowblower. And so I, it was probably my fault, if I'm being honest with you. If you look on the screen behind me, what does it say? Stepping out from the shadows. Over the last couple of years, have we had some people that are hurting? You think about this pandemic, you watch the news, and we think about uh, all the parents who are frustrated, we think about uh, all the illness, we think about all the death, we think about all the disease, and we think about just even normal times, aren't there people always hurting? I wonder how many times you guys have ever considered the idea that so many people will put a mask on, and they'll put on a happy facade, and really, what do I mean by that? As we think about this morning's lesson, I'd like to contend that every Sunday morning across this nation, there are individuals who enter church buildings, and they're kind of like in the shadows. They have a mask on because they put on this happy facade. And what I mean by that is that they come in, and you can ask them, say, hey, how you doing? How's your week been? How's your month been? How's your year going? You can just have a strike up a normal conversation. And as you have this conversation, they'll say, oh, you know, everything's pretty good. You know, thanks for asking. But meanwhile, their lives could be a complete mess. They could be struggling. Their marriages could be struggling. They could have problems with their kids. They could be having problems with their careers. They could be having problems with their schooling. They could be having problems with fill in the blank. And so I asked this morning, what's hiding behind your mask? And are we supposed to have masks on when we think about the Lord's church. You know, when I think of like when I think of this idea that there are people wearing masks, what's hiding behind that mask is pain. What's hiding behind that mask is heartache. It's desperation that they have and that they feel and that's real. And yet when people ask them, hey, how's your day going? They just say everything's going pretty good. Thanks for asking. But sometimes they're not very convincing, but sometimes they are. But my question for us this morning is, if we truly believe that we're the body of Christ, we're a family of Christ, and we're in Christ, aren't we supposed to lift up one another, encourage one another, guide one another, rebuke one another, love one another? Aren't we supposed to show compassion and, uh, compassion and kindness to one another? And so when we think about those people that are maybe in our auditorium, or those who are new Christians... I'd like to suggest that many of them are uh, wearing a mask. And I would like to suggest that it's time to step out from the shadows. It's time that we remove the mask and we start, to, uh, we start to lean on one another. We start to look to help one another and guide one another. And as I think of this ritual that takes place every week, many of these people, they're just trying to find a place to fit in. Anywhere that they can. Somewhere, anywhere. They just want a place where they can fit in. They would love to build uh, stronger bonds of relationship. And you guys have heard me talk about this so often, that we need to do a better job of coming together, spending time with one another. I'm not talking Wednesdays and Sundays. That's the bare minimum. I'm talking about getting into one another's homes. How often do you invite your fellow brothers and sisters into your homes? And not just the ones you grew up with. You know, all churches have what I call little cliques, right? Meaning that, you know, certain people grew up together. So it's, it's, it, they gravitate towards one another because it's natural. It's, it's comfortable. It feels good. 
But what about all the new Christians? What about those who uh, newly maybe either transfer to your, con- uh, to your congregation or they just move to the area or they're just new babes in Christ? How does that work? Who's inviting them into their homes? Who's building relationships with them to bring them into the sheepfold? And so this this weekly ritual kind of goes on and on where people are trying to find a place where they can just blend in. They're not really enjoying the spiritual companionship. They're not really enjoying constant contact with God's people. Why? Because they're just trying to blend in. And many of the reasons why they're trying to blend in is because they're suffering from so many hardships from heartache, from the problems that all of us have experienced in life. And they're afraid that if the church finds out exactly what's going on in my life, that they might not want anything to do with me. And so I suppress these things. I hide these things. I put on the happy facade. Does that make sense? And so I'd like to simply consider this morning that the truth is, don't we all have flaws? Don't we all have problems? Don't we all need support at various times? But brethren, this is kind of where the magic happens. It happens because this is what's so unique about the Lord's Church. That we're a body of believers, we're the children of God, and we talk about, we, we throw around this term, the family of Christ, the family of God. There's no greater family than the Lord's Church, right? And yet, we don't actually lean on each other as much as we should. We don't build as many relationships with others as much as we should. You go back and you look at Acts chapter 2, and it says they were constant, and they were constantly in fellowship with one another, breaking bread, going from house to house. And I simply would like to encourage us this morning that we need to do a much better job of, of really fulfilling the scriptures. This first passage of scripture on the screen behind me is 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And then I think of this next passage. Randy read it this morning. He read verses 15 through 18, but we're only going to look at uh, uh, verse 18 here right now. When you look at verse 18... It says that Jesus is telling his disciples that that we need to help open their eyes. Who's they? Non-believers, Gentiles. We need to help open their eyes that they may turn from darkness and light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So, brethren, I think of this lesson here this morning. And we need to make sure that we need to learn Uh, that we're learning how to walk in Christ, that we're learning how to grow in Christ, because it's so important as we mature in Christ. But that's for the babe in Christ, but that's also for those who may be sitting in a church pew for for two generations, or, or for two decades, I mean. And there are a lot of people that I don't like to look at people and see a certain person at a certain age and believe that they should be at a certain point in their faith. Because you don't know when they really started to get serious about their faith. You don't know when they've actually just started picking up the scriptures and start studying for themselves. And so as we consider uh, how so many people right now, especially in these last two years of this pandemic, where uh, there's so many more addictions that are going on, there's so many more suicides, there's so many people that are hurting in silence. And there's so many people who are suffering in silence. And I would like to uh, suggest that, that many times... Many of us are wearing masks, and we put on this happy facade, and we go to the Lord's church, but we forget that we're part of a, of a unique family, a spiritual family, the family of God, that is encouraged to love one another. 
to bear each other's burdens, to lift up one another, to sacrifice for one another. And so if you can't let down your mask, if you can't let down your shield, if you can't step out from the shadows amongst those who are supposed to love you the most that you're going to spend the eternity with, then you're never going to do it. And you're never going to do it anywhere else. And you're going to suffer in silence. And if you suffer in silence, it's almost like you begin to forget who you are. And then if you suffer long enough, then you start to pull away from the church. And you pull away from the, uh, the people who are supposed to love you the most. The people who are supposed to have your spiritual and physical back. And it makes me think, brethren, that I, I, I almost wonder how often we forget that we're in the lights. You guys remember, turn your Bibles uh, to 1 John for me. This passage, next passage won't be on the screen. It's a little bit too long. We're going to look at verses 5 through 10 of 1 John. But I want us to remember that after being baptized, if you remain in the light, you're what? You're continuously cleansed by the blood of Christ. And so this next passage, 1 John chapter 1, I want us to look at verses 5 through 10. I want you to remember what the Word of God says. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 10. Notice what it says. This is the message that we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. There's no unrighteousness. If we say that we have fellowship with God, meaning relationship with God, uh, with him, and yet we walk in sin, meaning we walk in darkness, it says we lie and we don't practice the truth. Verse 7 says, but if we walk in the light as Christ was in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us of all in any unrighteousness. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and righteous uh, to forgive us of all our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. What is the point of looking at that passage of scripture here this morning, as we consider the idea that many are wearing masks? As we consider the idea that no matter how much pain and suffering is going on in your life right now, that we need to figure out a way to step out from the shadows. Brothers and sisters, there are so many people that are afraid to open up. Well, why are brothers and sisters in Christ afraid to open up? Why are new Christians afraid to open up? I would like, simply like to contend it's because there's so many people when they start coming to church... I remember me and Christy had this uh, conversation when we first came to the Lord's Church many years ago now. And we met certain women, we met certain ladies, and she used to say it was almost like intimidating. They seemed so perfect. They seemed so, uh, like, so well together, like they had everything going right. They seemed to have like the perfect little families and the perfect marriages and the perfect children and the perfect this. And, and, and it was hard to, to see that, you know what, their lives really behind closed doors are a mess Kind of like ours is a mess sometimes. And they had many of the same problems. But I'd like to suggest they were wearing a mask. They, had a, they put on a happy facade. They never let anybody see that, the, that there was cracks in the foundation, so to speak. And that they were sinners also in need of a Savior. And sure, their sins may be different than our sins, but all sin separates us from a holy and righteous God. Amen? And so, brethren, we need to make sure that there are, uh, if there's individuals that are in here, new Christians or people who are looking at other Christians as if they have no problems because they've been in the church for a long time and they, they have some passages of scriptures memorized and they kind of put on their Sunday best to understand that they too have problems. They have problems with their children. They have problems in their careers. They have problems in their marriages from time to time. And that we need to make sure that 
as we look at all the various individuals and that we think about the people in the church that we all are sinners in need of a Savior. Amen? We are all sinners in need of a Savior. And if we ever stop considering ourselves as sinners, then First John just says you're a liar and the truth isn't in you. Why? Because you deceive your own heart. And you forget who you were. You see, brethren, when we look at this, we think that if people in church ever found out, there's so many times where people, they, they think in their minds, if, if people ever found out what my life was really like, the things that I used to partake of, they're not going to want anything to do with me. If someone finds out that I have an addiction, if somebody finds out that I have anger issues, that I have depression issues, that I have a vulgar mouth, that I struggle with things like pornography or things or fill in the blank, that, that, that if people find out, they're not going to want anything to do with me. Many are certain that if they, if they remove that mask, if they step out from the shadows, that they're going to not only be rebuked but rejected. And so they stay in the shadows. They keep the mask on. They don't let down the shields. And so I asked the question this morning, what's hiding behind your mask? Because, brethren, if we can't open up to those who are supposed to love us the most, that are fellow saints in the kingdom, that are children of God, who are you going to open up to? And where are you going to turn for godly advice? And for encouragements, and for a shoulder to cry on, and for help when life gets difficult. As members of the body of Christ, we need to remember where we came from. You know, many times, I know some people, that they don't like to talk about their past and the sins that they, used to, that they used to partake of. I have no problem talking about the sins I used to partake of, because I wasn't always a Christian. But I learned to be a Christian when I read the scriptures, and I realized all that I had to repent of, all that I had to turn away from. But I didn't live a clean, wholesome, perfect life. I was far from it. I said this morning in Bible study, there was a reason why when Tad preached every, every week for two and a half years, he was talking about me. Why? Because I was unrighteous, unholy, and had a lot of things to change about my life. And there's many people that are like that. But sometimes I think Christians forget where they came from. They forget where they came from, and it's almost like they have a holier-than-thou attitude, and they start to look down upon fellow Christians and the sin that they're in. Last time I checked, you're still a sinner, even after your baptism. Sure, you're, you're, it was washed away, but anybody else here ever sin after baptism? Everybody. Anybody sin weekly, daily? Everybody. And so, brethren, it's the idea that we don't practice sin, habitual sin, like Hebrews 10 and 26 talks about, it's the idea that if we walk in the light, we, we're consistently repenting, consistently trying to walk according to the standards of God, that the blood of Christ continues to wash over us. Brethren, we're all sinners, and we've all been washed in the blood of the Lamb if you're a child of God here today. But we need to always be able to share with others the reason for the hope is in us. And where does that hope come from? It comes from the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It comes from the grace of God and being washed in the blood of the Lamb. And we need to make sure that as, we're, that as we start to build relationships, we place a high priority on building relationships. Why? Aren't the, aren't the older men and women supposed to mentor the younger men and women in the church? So if you're an older Christian, how many people are you mentoring? It's a logical question, isn't it? If we're supposed to mentor the younger men and women, who are you mentoring? And if you're not mentoring anybody, what are you doing? Why not? How can we help younger Christians take the next step, step out from the shadows, be willing to admit that I, that I, that I have struggles, that I have problems, 
if you're not being, if you're not willing to mentor them. And if somebody does step out from the shadows, removes the mask, lets down the shield, are you willing to then accept them from where they're at at this point in life? Because somebody accepted me for where I was at when I came to the church, and I was a mess. Sure, if you asked from a worldly standpoint, they say, Dave's a good guy. From a worldly standpoint, I was. You compare me to scripture, I was an abomination in the sight of God. So which one is it? But the people that accepted me, they didn't look down upon me. You know what they did? They came to my house every Saturday and conducted Bible studies with me and my entire family for an entire year. Every Saturday, we sat down, John Crapel, we opened up the scriptures. And I had other men that mentored me. And so what did I do? I quit my job of 17 years in sales, and I go into the ministry because of the effect that they had, their mentorship had on my life. And so what is the point? I was at, at a time I was willing to let down the mask, let down the shield, and let people know that I am a sinner in need of a Savior, and I need help. I wonder how many people aren't willing to do that, though, because they're worried about being rejected by the church. What a shame that is. Have you ever thought about that, that statement? Have you ever known anybody rejected by a church? Rejected by a congregation? You're not rejected by God. But you're rejected by man in many cases. Why? Because if anybody ever found out I deal with certain issues in my life, they're not going to want anything to do with me. And so they're afraid to bring it up because there's certain things that are, well, taboo in society, is there not? And so we think about the scriptures here this morning. And I think about this next passage of scripture. Don't ever forget that we have an advocate with the Father who is faithful and that we can trust. In 1 John chapter 2 on the screen behind me, in verse 1 and 2, it says, Christ is our advocate. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone does sin, we have what? We have an advocate. We have an intercessor. We have somebody who, who fights on our behalf, who, uh, who, who advocates or, inter uh, or, or intercedes on our behalf. With who? The Father. And that's Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation, the payment of our sins. And not just of ours alone, but for those of all the world. And so some will sit, sit here and listen to this message here this morning. And they'll say, Dave, but you don't understand. I struggle in a certain area of my life. And I'd say, really? Well, then welcome to the club. Because last time I checked, we all struggle in various areas of our lives. Sure, your struggle may be different than mine, but it's still a struggle. It's still a storm. And it's still, it's still we need, it's something we still need encouragement and help with. Brethren, you're not alone. But you know who wants you to think you're alone? You know who wants you to not remove the mask? Who wants you to stay in the shadows and always keep your shield up? Satan. Satan wants you to keep your shield up. You know why? Because he knows that true members of the church, if you let down your mask and you, uh, and you start to trust, you start to build relationship, you're going to receive the, 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 the godly advice and spiritual mentorship that you need in order to get over the hump, in order to remove sin from your lives. And so, brethren, he wants, the devil wants us to seclude ourselves off from the church, seclude ourselves off from the family of God, because he knows if he can get you to seclude your, himself, yourself long enough, he wins. He wins because you start to remove yourself from the church. You start to remove from, uh, you start to withhold yourself from Christian fellowship. You stop attending Bible studies. You stop opening your Bible. You stop looking, uh, looking to improve yourself. And the devil begins to win. Because he knows that he, he has you on a path of seclusion. And then if you're, if you're secluded long enough and you struggle with various problems, you start to think, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of God's grace. I'm not worthy of God's love. 
I'm not worthy of the, of the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But brothers and sisters, if you're a member of the Lord's body, I can guarantee you, if you're willing to open up, there's somebody in this auditorium that either is or has dealt with similar issues that you're dealing with. If you're willing to seek out that uh, help. If you're willing to let down your mask and let people in that love you and want the best for you. We need to, brethren, we need to make sure that we are a people, a congregation that is willing to fellowship, constantly have people in your home, constantly have opening your door to others, to allowing them to come in and to build relationships. You know what happens when you build relationships? You build trust. And when you build trust, what are you willing to do? Open up. Let down the mask. Let down the shield. Step out from the shadows. Brothers and sisters, as we look at this message here this morning, we need to be a congregation that's not afraid to, be, uh, to, to rid ourselves of the masks, to step out from the shadows and be willing to show some flaws so that we can show others that you struggle. That's great because I too struggle. It doesn't matter if it's a different struggle, struggle, struggle. And so we need to make sure, brethren, that we know who we are and we need to know whose we are. And this is, the why, this is the reason why I bring this up in the middle uh, you know, of this pandemic. Two years have gone by. We're in this pandemic. And guess what? The numbers are getting worse. Did you know that 21% of the United States population has personality disorders, codependency, obsessive-compulsive disorders, antisocial disorders, perfectionism disorders? Perfectionism disorder? What's that? That's perfectionism disorder. If you don't know what it is, and some of you laugh, so I'm sure you do, it's where you think that I need to be perfect at everything. And if I'm not perfect, I'm a failure. There's no gray area. I'm either perfect or I'm a failure. Brethren, there's lots of people that have these disorders. 21% of Americans deal with these things. 25% of Americans will experience some form of depression this year. But depression is one of those taboo, taboo things, right? That you must have a weak faith if you're depressed. That's nonsense. Brother, we need to understand that a quarter of the United States is going to deal with depression throughout the year at some time during their lives or sometime during that year. 10% of the population suffers from eating disorders, binge eating, bulimia, anorexia, food addictions. 12% of Americans use illegal drugs. 70% of men in this country between the ages of 18 and 34 regularly visit uh, adult entertainment sites. Adult entertainment venues. 70%. Do you think there's a problem? The list could go on and on. Brethren, the church is not immune from the schemes of the devil. As much as we would like to think that these things won't affect our congregation, I'm here to tell you that they already are. And if they're, if they're, if they're not in the congregation, believe me, Satan's knocking on the door. Because he wants you back. He doesn't want you to stay washed in the blood of the, love, uh, blood of the Lord or the blood of the Lamb. He doesn't want you to, uh, to, to, uh, to remove your shield. He wants you to, uh, to, to feel dirty and disgusting and unworthy of the grace and love of God. So that way you don't reach out. So that way you don't look for mentors. Brothers and sisters, we as Christians have a duty to one another to lift each other up, to encourage one another, and to mentor one another. Older men, mentor the younger men. Older women, mentor the younger women. And if you're not, find somebody to mentor. You have a lot of life experience and knowledge to pass on. And sometimes you may be older in life and yet a babe in Christ and then you can still seek somebody for mentorship. 
So that way you can grow in Christ and you can repent of sin and to make your life a life that picks up their cross daily as we talked about in our Bible study this morning. So that way you can seek first the kingdom of God and so that way you can also look to uh, spend time uh, and, and receive that love and encouragement that only comes from spending time with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Brethren, building uh, relationships and trust will help others to take down their shields will help others to step out of the shadows, to ask for help, to ask for prayer, to ask for encouragement. I think of the prayer, I think of the poem that, uh, that, that was written by Maya Angelou uh, years ago. And she, she wrote, when I was, she says, when I, when I say I'm a Christian, she said, I'm not shouting I'm clean living. She goes, I whispered I've lost and now I've been found and forgiven. When I say I'm a Christian, I don't speak with pride. I'm confessing that I stumble and I need Christ to be my guide. When I say that I'm a Christian, I'm not trying to be strong. I'm professing that I'm weak and need his strength to carry on. When I say that I'm a Christian, I'm not bragging of success. I'm admitting that I have failed and need God to clean up my mess. When I say that I am a Christian, I'm not claiming to be perfect. For my flaws are, are far too visible, but God believes I'm worth it. When I say that I'm a Christian, I still feel the sting of pain, and I have my share of heartache, so I call upon his name. When I say that I am a Christian... I'm not holier than now. I'm a simple sinner who has received God's good grace somehow. Brethren, I love that poem. I love that poem because it's the type of poem that we should read on a regular basis so we don't forget where we came from. Sinners who need this, uh, the, the saving blood of Christ. Sinners who need to remember who they were so that way we don't look down upon those who are coming out of the world, uh, coming out of worldliness. As a congregation, brethren, we need to make sure that we don't fall into the trap or the sin of partiality. And if you don't know what I mean, go home later today and read James chapter 2, and you'll see what I mean by the sin of partiality. Where Christians will then start to then look down upon others who they don't feel have anything to offer them. Last time I checked, that's not what we're supposed to do. James chapter 2, read that later. We need to be a family, brethren, that accepts people for who they are and where they're at at the time they walk into this congregation. And help them to grow. Mentor them as they grow. Encourage them as they grow. Show them love and kindness no matter what is going on in their life. Be the bigger person. Why? Because you know where your hope stands. Your hope stands in the blood of Christ. And that without the blood of Christ that you too have no hope. And so we, we, we project our hope, we project our love and compassion onto others because we know what Christ has done for us. When we need to, we need to teach, brethren, teach non-Christians, those in the world, as well as babes in Christ, that know how, no matter how big their problems are, that God is bigger than their problems. But God, but for God to work in our lives, we have to be willing to submit. Bible study this morning, you know what I talked about? Part of it? Submission. But God can't work in your life if you're not willing to submit to God. Submit to his standards, submit to his will. So let's look at a few examples. Because I want you to understand that some of the great men of God that we find in scripture, they too struggled. They too struggled in their faith. King David, you guys remember him? David, while a great man of the Bible, did he have many, uh, many problems, many issues? Where did those problems and uh, issues begin? Fleshly desires, lust of the eye with Bathsheba, coveted another man's wife, 
committed adultery and murder, and yet he was able to right the ship of his life. If David was able to right the ship of his life after committing adultery, after murdering somebody, and after, uh, after uh, uh, overcoming the, the challenges of lust, you too can overcome those same things. Abraham. Abraham was a man that had a lack of trust in God at various times in his life. How do I know that? Because he asked his wife to, be, uh, to say that she was his sister. Why? To save his own backside. Well, they're going to kill me on account of your beauty. So why don't you do me a favor? Just tell them you're my sister. So that way, yeah, you'll probably be taken and be uh, taken into another man's house, maybe be ravaged, but I'm going to save my hide. Was that a lack of trust in God? You see, even the great man Abraham had problems. And at times he didn't trust God. He didn't trust that God would provide for his safety and for his needs. Is that how we're called to act? Not then and not now. I think of Jacob. Jacob's better nature often struggled with his sinful nature. Amen? If you know the story of Jacob, you know that his better nature struggled with his sinful nature. He bargained for his brother's birthright instead of showing compassion to him when his brother was starving. Jacob lied and deceived his own father to receive the blessing that was supposed to go to his older son or his older brother. So what do we notice about Abraham, David, and Jacob? They all had character flaws. They all had problems with sin at various times in their lives, and yet they were able to right the ship of their lives. And yet they had a great enough love for God that they were not only able to repent, uh, uh, right the ship, but they righted the ship by repenting and turning away from their character flaws, the problems that, that the things that caused them problems in the first place. And they sought forgiveness. Brethren, as I close this lesson down, I want you to ask yourself, what's hiding behind your mask? Do you struggle with pride? If you're here this morning and your mask is up and you put on the happy facade every week, what are you struggling with? Do you struggle with pride, aggression, addictions? Pornography, depression, anxiety, lack of self-control, a vulgar mouth, lust, selfishness, covetousness, greed, lying. Could the list keep going? The list could keep going. But if you're here today and you are struggling in a specific area, then I beg you, reach out to somebody here in your family of Lincoln Park. Because the members of this congregation are absolutely a, a family and will be here for you. And will help to not only to protect you, but to guide you and to lift you up. To mentor you and to encourage you. And to show you love and to show you compassion. No matter what you're struggling with. Because family looks out for family. And as the children of God, we're the strongest family that the world has. And so as we shut this lesson down, and we ask the question, what's hiding behind your mask? What's keeping you from stepping out from the shadows? How long will you continue to struggle before you open up? And be willing to trust. And be willing to, to let people know that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And that I struggle at various aspects or, or, or in various aspects of my life. Brethren, we can help strengthen one another. We can help walk side by side with one another. Troubles in this life are going to happen. But who you turn to in times of trouble is going to really speak volumes about your faith. You know how many times I talk to Christians... And you know who they turn to when they have troubles in their lives? Worldly friends. They don't turn to the church. 
Why? Because they look at the church and they see all these people who seem to be so righteous and all put together and that, you know, they live, they seem to have these perfect lifestyles and so it's intimidating. And so they turn to worldly people for godly advice or for, for, for advice. We need to make sure that we are the type of Christians that are willing to, to let people know that I too struggle. I too struggle with sin. I too have my own faults. And that, I, and that I walked in your shoes at one point in my life. And be willing to open up and to let people know that it's okay because if you struggle, I struggle too. And so brethren, as I close this down, please, it's time to step out from the shadows. It's time to let down the shields. It's time to remove the mask, however you want to say it. And it's time to start to, uh, to reach out and build relationships. Because you can only build trust if you first build a relationship. By spending time together in our homes. It's nice to go out to a dinner once in a while. But is it, is it kind of difficult to talk about sensitive subjects when you've got a bunch of strangers around you? At a table, at a restaurant? Makes it a little more difficult. But you know where it's easier? And a little bit more comfortable to open up? In your home. And so I want us to start to look out for one another to mentor one another, to encourage one another, and to be willing to invite people into our homes with the express purpose of building relationships, building trust, and building a support network. Anybody here ever deal with like addictions? How important is like support networks? Do you have a Christian support network? That would be the question I would ask you. And if you don't have a Christian support network, why not? You know why? Because you haven't taken the time to build one. It takes effort. You have to be purposeful in building a Christian support network. And so, brethren, as I, as I shut this down, I simply ask, are you willing to take the first step? The first step is to admit you have a problem. You can't fix any problem before you admit that there's a problem that needs to be fixed in the first place. And are you willing to then ask fellow brothers and sisters in Christ for help? Are you willing to confide that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And if you hear somebody commit, uh, that, that, that says that, are you willing to admit that I too am a sinner in need of a Savior? And that no matter what you think, my life isn't perfect. Your preacher's life isn't perfect. Your elders' lives are not perfect. Do we strive to be good, godly men? Yes. Do we fall short from time to time? Yes. Every Christian does. And so I simply ask, are you willing to show some flaws? Are you willing to allow people to open up and to show their flaws? If you're here today and you're struggling, the elders are going to come forward, and you can confess sin, you can ask for help, and you can receive their prayers. But more than that, moving forward, you'll receive mentorship. You'll receive love and compassion and kindness. If you're here today and you're not a child of God, well then... You can't receive the grace of God. If you're not a child of God and you're living a worldly life, but you've been trying to, you're like on the fence, you, you want to become a Christian, but you just don't know what you don't know or you're not sure or, you're, uh, or you have questions, then ask those questions because we can help. We can set up Bible studies. We can answer any questions you have. But if you've been here and you're, you're considering it and you come to the point to where today's the day I want to put on Christ, Today's the day I want to be a new creation. I want my sins washed away. Then come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation.